This podcast is made available for free globally. That is only possible through my relationships with advertising partners. If you would like to access an ad-free version of Practical Stoicism, go to stoicismpod.com forward slash members to learn more. I have used a lot of commerce platforms in the past. By far, the most robust is Shopify. No matter how complex your business needs and no matter how large your business grows, Shopify can handle it. And they do handle it for brands like Rothy's, Ruggable, Allbirds, Knox, Magnolia, Brooklinen, Glossier, and Cotton, to name a few. You may already use another e-commerce platform and you may be super unhappy with it, but you've already put a lot of work into it and migrating to Shopify could seem impossible. But I'm here to tell you that it is quite easy. When I migrated to Shopify back in 2022, their apps and tools meant I just had to make a few clicks and everything was ported over as if by magic. Shopify also lets you design your storefront however you like, which from personal experience I know isn't the case for many other commerce platforms out there. All these features and all this control can result in more sales more often, so stop leaving sales on the table. Switch your business to Shopify today and discover why millions trust Shopify as their all-in-one commerce platform to build, grow, and run their businesses. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial at shopify.com forward slash practical, all lowercase. That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com forward slash practical, shopify.com forward slash practical. Seed DSO-1 is a daily symbiotic, which is a probiotic and prebiotic formulated to provide benefits for gut immune function and whole body health. I take it every morning before I eat, which is when it works the best, and I have noticed a big difference in my digestion, regularity, and even my skin. It's nice that this benefit comes in a small package that needs no refrigeration and really is just a couple of simple small pills. You also get this cool little travel vial in case you're traveling so you don't have to stuff a bunch of loose pills in your pocket, which is nice. It's also nice that this product is so rigorously tested from a scientific perspective, which makes seeds probiotic research, development, and innovation programs a lot more trustworthy. So trust your gut health to Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic. Go to seed.com forward slash practical and use code 25practical to get 25% off of your first month. That's 25% off of your first month of Seed's DSO-1 Daily Symbiotic at seed.com forward slash practical with the code 25 practical. Welcome back, Precoptan. I'm glad you're here. Today is my birthday, and we're going through Seneca's 27th moral letter to Lucilius, which is entitled On the Good Which Abides. It's my 40th birthday. I'm going to try to forget about that. I don't know why I feel so old. 40's not old. I mean, unless I'm only going to live till 50, then I'm really old. Or if I'm going to live till 41. Oof. Okay, I got to stop thinking about it. A quick reminder that our workshops are now by donation only with a $1 minimum and that our next one is June 18th and is on anger and rage. And the next one will probably be on fear of getting old. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Uh, To learn more, visit actualstoicism.com. Here's the letter. What? say you. Are you giving me advice? Indeed, have you already advised yourself? Already corrected your own faults? Is this the reason why you have leisure to reform other men? No, 
I am not so shameless as to undertake to cure my fellow men when I am ill myself. I am, however, discussing with you troubles which concern us both, and sharing the remedy with you, just as if we were lying ill in the same hospital. Listen to me, therefore, as you would if I were talking to myself. I am admitting you to my inmost thoughts and am having it out with myself, merely making use of you as my pretext. I keep crying out to myself, count your years and you will be ashamed to desire and pursue the same things you desired in your boyhood days. Of this one thing make sure against your dying day, let your faults die before you die. Away with those disordered pleasures, which must be dearly paid for. It is not only those which are to come that harm me, but also those which have come and gone. Just as crimes, even if they have not been detected when they were committed, do not allow anxiety to end with them. So with guilty pleasures, regret remains even after the pleasures are over. They are not substantial. They are not trustworthy. Even if they do not harm us, they are fleeting. Cast about rather for some good which will abide. But there can be no such good except as the soul discovers it for itself within itself. Virtue alone affords everlasting and peace-giving joy. Even if some obstacle does arise, it is but like an intervening cloud, which floats beneath the sun, but never prevails against it. When will it be your lot to attain this joy? Thus far you have indeed not been sluggish, but you must quicken your pace. Much toil remains, and to confront it, You must yourself lavish all your waking hours and all your efforts, if you wish, the result to be accomplished. This matter cannot be delegated to someone else. The other kind of literary activity admits of outside assistance. Within our own time, there was a certain rich man named Calvisius Sabinus. He had the bank account and the brains of a freed man. I never saw a man whose good fortune was a greater offense against propriety. His memory was so faulty that he would sometimes forget the name of Ulysses or Achilles or Priam, names which we know as well as we know those of our attendants. No major domo in his dotage who cannot give men their right names, but is compelled to invent names for them. No such man, I say, calls off the names of his master's tribesmen, as Sabinus used to call off the Trojan and Achaean heroes. But nonetheless did he desire to appear learned. So he devised this shortcut to learning. He paid fabulous prices for slaves, one to know Homer by heart and another to know Hesiod. He also delegated a special slave to each of the nine lyric poets. You need not wonder that he paid high prices for these slaves. If he did not find them ready to hand, he had them made to order. After collecting his retinue, he began to make life miserable for his guests. He would keep these fellows at the foot of his couch and ask them from time to time for verses which he might repeat and then frequently break down in the middle of a word. Satellius Quadratus, a feeder and consequently a fawner, upon addle-pated millionaires, and also, for this quality goes with the other two, a flouter of them, suggested to Sabinus that he should have philologists to gather up the bits. Sabinus then remarked that each slave cost him 100,000 sesters. Satellius replied, 
you might have bought as many bookcases for a smaller sum. But Sabinus held to the opinion that what any member of his household knew, he himself knew also. So this same Satellius began to advise Sabinus to take wrestling lessons. Sickly pale and thin as he was, Sabinus answered, How can I? I can scarcely stay alive now. Don't say that. I implore you, replied the other. Consider how many perfectly healthy slaves you have. No man is able to borrow or buy a sound mind. In fact, as it seems to me, even though sound minds, even if sound minds were for sale, they would not find buyers. Depraved minds, however, are bought and sold every day. But let me pay off my debt and say farewell. Real wealth is poverty adjusted to the law of nature. Epicurus has this saying in various ways and contexts, but it can never be repeated too often, since it can never be learned too well. For some persons, the remedy should be merely prescribed. In the case of others, though, it should be forced down their throats. I'm really fond of this letter, even if the fact that Seneca, a wealthy statesman, wrote it, I still find the words absolutely wonderful. It's actually one of the reasons I like Seneca so much. He was so broken, I think, as a Stoic, but he did want to be better. It seems unlikely he could have written such wonderful letters had he no desire at all, at his core, to change the parts of who he was that he didn't like. I think he's perhaps the most complex figure in all of Stoic history, such as it is. And I also want to point out that zinger where he says, look, man, if you think you can know things by the members of your household knowing those things, then, you know, you can know how to wrestle because your healthy slaves know how to wrestle, really pointing out how stupid that line of reasoning was. But let's start with the beginning of the letter and see what we can get out of it. Seneca is recognizing right off the bat that he's no sage, that he's in no position to tell others how to be a sage. Rather, he is likening himself to a patient of some disease or illness or malady, talking to another patient with the same affliction. He cannot cure Lucilius, but he's been at this longer, and perhaps there's something to be learned by speaking out loud about his own shortcomings, something to be learned on the part of Lucilius. Quote, I am, however, discussing with you troubles which concern us both, and sharing the remedy with you, just as if I were lying ill in the same hospital. Listen to me, therefore, as you would if I were talking to myself. I am admitting you to my inmost thoughts, and am having it out with myself, merely making use of you as my pretext. I enjoy the use of the word pretext here. Seneca is saying, listen, Lucilius, I'm not actually doing this for you. I'm not writing to you to tell you how to be. I'm using you as a sort of reason for talking through things. I know I'm still working through myself. And if you learn from that, super, but you are not the point. Now, whether or not that's true, whether or not Lucilius was even a real person, the message is a useful reminder of the value of having like-minded friends, I think. This is something that I myself have been working on for the last seven years or so, and something I think we all start to do naturally once we're in our late 20s to early 30s. We start to identify that school friends were friends because they were geographically close to us, and that our pool for relationship options was limited. Basing friendships on geography is, of course, a strange way to choose friends, and 
when those friends get older, just as you did or will, they will become who they're going to be or more like who they're going to be, which is an ongoing process, but starts in, I think, your mid-20s usually. And as they wake up to this burgeoning identity, as you will wake up to yours, they look around and naturally question what exactly is it about John or Jenny that aligns them as friends anymore. The purpose of friends, I think, is to have them help you to better yourself and to be supported by them and for you to support them while you are bettering yourself. But if our friends are no longer on the path we're on, what use are they to us? And as importantly, what use are we to them? That's not exactly the point Seneca is making. Indeed, it's not at all the point he is making, but it is what this letter makes me think of that we need Stoic Prokopton in our lives as Stoic Prokopton ourselves. And yes, I'm using Prokopton both as the singular version and the plural version of that word. I think there's some argument about whether or not that's correct, but I believe Prokopton is both singular and plural. I'm not the right guy to ask for that, but if you're wondering why I did that, it's because I think that's right. For who else but other Prokopton can we engage in advancing our prosecate with? I suppose you could say those misbehaved non-Prokopton out there in society, and I guess to some extent that's true. But just like if you're interested in architecture, it's helpful to hang out with other architects or people interested in architecture, the same is true of Stoicism. If you're interested in Stoicism and practicing it seriously, then it is probably useful to have friends which are similarly minded, want to try to accomplish the same thing, want to practice Stoicism well, just as you do. If we have friends that like us to go drinking and partying all night, those friends aren't helping us to focus on our stoic practice. Although you could say they're challenging us, and that's fair. And perhaps that's okay every once in a great while, but it's not okay day to day because it pulls us away from our practice. We need prokoptonic, if that's a word, which it probably isn't, but you know what I mean. We need prokoptonic friends. Surround yourself with others who want to be like you, or better put, Surround yourself with people who want to be something like what you also want to be. That's my first takeaway from this letter. My second is that our appointments don't make us stoic. If we appoint ourselves with books, even with learnings from those books, or if we surround ourselves with stoics, that doesn't make us stoic. Something I find unfortunate is the number of Facebook groups and various communities full of people who know the text and are very argumentative about what the texts do or don't mean and are so dedicated to the didactic portion of Stoicism, but who don't talk about actual practice or when they do, talk about it in cold academic terms and then don't go on to live it in their own lives. If you know every fact about Stoicism as a philosophy, but you don't transpose those facts into action and practice, you're not a Stoic. You're just a person who knows a lot about the philosophy. So you could call yourself a Stoic philosopher or a Stoic academic or just someone who knows a lot about Stoicism, but you wouldn't actually be a practicing Stoic, therefore you wouldn't be a Stoic. Stoicism is in the practice, not the text. You have to, of course, study the text, but arguing semantics endlessly at the expense of imperfect practice is a road to nowhere. You know that Stoicism is about the attainment of virtue, and you know you do that by carefully assessing your impressions, and there are other basics you understand as well. 
it is, in my estimation, better to enact those basics imperfectly for the entirety of your life than it is to overcommit yourself to Stoic studies. If you want to be a scholar, that's fine. But there's no need to be a scholar in order to be a Stoic precoptan with a great Stoic practice. Eventually, you have to get your nose out of the books and walk away from all the classrooms and arguments. That's not encouragement to be ignorant of the text or to suggest that they have no value. Of course they do. It's just a gentle reminder that, at most, they're only half the work. So you're not a wise man or woman by having wise men or women around you doing your work for you. But you might be more likely to become wise if the people you surround yourself with are as interested in achieving wisdom as you are and, importantly, have the same definition of wisdom as you do. And to some extent, that means you have to spend some time reading and studying the ancient and even some of the contemporary Stoic texts. But you can't spend all your time doing that, and eventually you have to enact what you feel you've learned. Thanks for listening today. Be sure to join our Discord for free at stoicismpod.com forward slash Discord. And until next time, thanks again for listening and take care. 